Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. So, so much is going on with Christianity in the Muslim world, particularly in Iran, and the effects of Iranian Christian TV from Iran Alive and Dr. Shariat, who we've interviewed a couple of times before. But today, I want you to hear the incredible story of Lily Meshi and how, as an Iranian who was moved to Germany in her teens and then into an arranged abusive marriage in the United States, became a Christian, and then went on to work for Iran Alive as their director of partner relations. She strives to live a life on purpose and be an example of a strong Christian woman to her daughter, other Iranian women, and all those that she meets. Lily, welcome to In Awe by Bruce. Bruce, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure and honor to be on your show. We appreciate you having here, and you noted in uh, the biography that you feel your experiences have built you into what you are today, and it's so easy when basically taken out of your home country, put into a new country, and then a few years later you're moved to another country, an arranged marriage. Tell us about how those experiences have built you into the woman that you are today. Bruce, I, I um, truly am convinced that um, a lot of the happenings that happen in our lives, they don't happen to us. A lot of them happen for us. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, a lot of the struggles that I have experienced throughout my life turned me into and shaped me and molded me to the person that I am today. Really, all most of it um, led me to Christ, which I'm extremely grateful for. The best thing that has ever happened to me was to find Christ. So as you mentioned, when I was 16, I was born and raised in Iran. And um, we really lived a comfortable life in Iran, at least comfortable for us what in sense of what we knew of being comfortable was in Iran. Mm -hmm. And when I was 16, my parents decided to um, move us from Iran to Europe. We went to Germany where my mom's side of the family lived. And um, the, the purpose for that was really a perfect storm that hit our family. It was just a lot of issues with the business that was going on. Um, my, my parents were dealing with really a bankrupt business and their relationship was actually very rocky at the time. And so we decided to move to Germany. And so when we moved to Germany, I was really dealing with a, a lot of inferiority complex, uh, if you will. Yeah. Um, I was that kid that spoke German with a heavy accent and they looked at me as yet another foreigner in school. And so it was just, it, you know, the whole culture shock at age 16, when usually teenagers already deal with a lot of, you know, insecurities of their own, let alone being in a different country with an unfamiliar lifestyle and, you know, adopting to a whole different environment that we were in. It was a, it was an absolute culture shock. Mm, uh, it was it was difficult. After a few years, honestly, after we adopted to 
that type of lifestyle and we learn when I say we it my my younger sister is only a year and a half younger than me and so we did everything together we went to school together we learned the language together we did everything and we struggled together and so we learned the language pretty well we started making friends and things like that life was okay you know we just mm -hmm. we had just kind of we had learned to roll with the punches so to speak and so after a couple of years, my dad reached out to us who had already, you know, moved to the U.S. and in search of really a new business venture and things like that. He reached out to us. He was, guys, I'm starting this new business in, in Austin, Texas, and I really would want my family to be here to help me out, help me launch this business and things like that. Yeah. And um, at that time, my two sisters and I were living in Germany. My mom was still in Iran dealing with the bankrupt business. My dad was in Austin, Texas. So we were kind of scattered all over the place. It was just, yeah. it was tough. And so, um, and he said, I really want us to be reunited together and all that. We moved, you know, one by one, we got our visas. It wasn't easy to get the visas, you know, to, to come to the U.S., but um, I was the first one to come aboard. And so, Six months prior to me moving to the U.S., my dad one time was talking to me on the phone yeah. and um, he said, listen, I've been working with this guy that has really presented this business opportunity to me and he is Persian. He has been very helpful. We have grown to become really, really tight friends. He asked me if he could speak with you. So he basically introduced this business partner guy that was 12 years older than me um, over the phone to me to basically get to know him and see how things go. And so my dad growing up, he was my hero. He was the guy that I looked up to. He, I mean, his approval for me was everything. I was the one who was always seeking my dad's approval. And so I was like, you know what? If my dad is approving of this guy, and I, at the time I was 18, um, I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll talk to him, dad, you know, sure. So sure enough, apparently a marriage was promised to him or whatever. I, or I don't know if it was promised to him or it was his impression that something uh -huh. was promised to him. So the moment I arrived in Austin, Texas, it was as if we were already together. It was just that crazy. Wow. And so at age 18, I wasn't really mature enough to know what I was doing. So I kind of fell into the trap of this semi-arranged marriage, mm -hmm. so to speak. Honestly, the moment I met him until the day that the Lord set me free from that marriage, life was very sour and bitter. It was yeah. just not good. He had his own set of issues and insecurities. I was dealing with enormous amount of insecurities because of a lot of the moves. And we were kind of considered first-class citizens in Iran. And then when we moved to Germany and then later to the U.S., we were kind of deemed as second-class citizens. It was just a lot of things that I had to struggle with in terms of my own identity. So anyways, um, when I was really at the lowest point of my life, I was really depressed, having marital issues. And my dad and my husband at the time, they struggled in their business relationships later after we married. And so they started suing each other, like 
my family sued my husband at the time. So I was kind of caught between my family and my husband at the time who was introduced to me. I was 18, 19. I was just so depressed and Mm. wrapped in, honestly, grief, like enormous amount of grief against the advice of the lawyers, because I was banned to visit my family because of a lot of the business um, disagreements and issues that, um, you know, the lawsuit has has um, exuded on it. They had asked me not to visit my parents. And so one day my mom contacted me and said, Lily, I miss you. I want to see you. We have some of our friends uh, from Oklahoma that are visiting us, do you mind coming over for just, a, you know, just an hour or two just to visit with them? And I, you know, that would be against the the lawyer's advice if I come over. And she was like, just, just come over. I mean, I, I, I can't live like this. She broke down. It was that I bad. Bet. Yeah. I mean, having been away from each other for so long, being scattered. Now that we were finally in the U.S., we couldn't even see each other because of legal issues. It was just the perfect storm. That's that's Uh what it was. So I went, and the moment I stepped into my parents' house, there was this overwhelming joy resident in their home that I had never felt before. So it was and that it was that palpable that you could feel it when you walked in. I walked in and I was like, "Whoa, what is going on?" There was laughter there, there was joy that I could not even <laughs> explain how it because we were we were all struggling. There was relational issues, there were there there was business disagreements. We were all kind of not in a good place. And so every time I stepped into my parents' house, there was always arguments about, you know, what was going on and things like that. But this time was different. And so nobody was at the door. I I went into the kitchen and then right next to the kitchen was their living room. And so they were all watching Jesus's life stories movie. And so so I kind of caught it from the moment they um, they arrested Jesus and they were taking him up on the mountain to get him crucified. And so I sat there, watched the movie with them until, until the, the end of the movie to the end. And so when I got up to leave, one of the girls there, she she kind of stopped me by the door. She said, Lily, I know, I know you guys have been struggling ever since you moved to the U.S., do you mind if we read together something from the word of God? And honestly, I was so reluctant. I really need to get going. I was so, I mean, when I say I was at the lowest point of my life, Uh I didn't know the depression was so strong on me that I, I just didn't, I was so numb to myself. I couldn't even feel myself. I couldn't even, I didn't know what was going on around me. Right. And it was, it was bad. And so um, I was like, okay, I mean, I don't mind. I was trying to be, you know, courteous and respectful. Yeah. I was like, oh, sure. Okay, I'll, I'll sit here for a couple more minutes. Let's see what's going on. And so she opened up the word of God. She opened it to John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh-huh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then she, she kept on reading to John 1.14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, Bruce, I kid you not, the moment yeah. you finished reading these two verses, John 1, 1 and John 1, 14, tears started rolling down my cheeks 
And without even knowing what I was saying, I now know I did not know what I was saying. I said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Like I declared it, like I knew deep down in my heart that he was my Lord and Savior. And at this point, I want you to know my background was a Muslim kid who was born into a Muslim family. And so all I knew about Jesus and of Jesus was that he was one of the greatest prophets. Right. I had no idea who he was, his identity, his deity, what the miracles he had performed, why he came to the earth, you know, mm. the restoration of humanity to God. None of that. I had no idea who he was. And so when I declared that by my mouth, yeah. I really meant it. And I felt... Um, I felt, now I know that it was only through the Holy Spirit that could reveal to me who Christ Mm -hmm. was at that very moment. And the power of the word of God, that she said nothing to evangelize to me. She said nothing to witness to me. She just said two verses. She just said, can we read the word of God together? And the power of the effectiveness of the word of God. When we read the word that says the word of God is alive and active, it was really alive and active. It really penetrated through my mirror, my soul, my fight. I mean, it just opened up the whole revelation. It was a rhema to me that Jesus was God. Uh So this was the moment. And I said, I want to start going to, to church. And so I started going to church. You know, my marriage was still there to deal with and things like that. But I can tell you that the Lord set me free from that marriage. And yeah. soon after, I honestly, when I came to faith, I was like, oh my gosh, there's no one else in Austin, Texas, or anywhere in the world that would understand me being a Persian girl and profess to be a Christian. I'm the only one on this earth. (laughs) I was like, there's no other Iranian that would actually understand a fully man, a fully human that Jesus was, that was God himself. Uh No one else can receive this revelation. It's too deep. I knew it was real. I knew that most Iranians are logical. I was, there's no other Iranian except the ones that, of course, witnessed to me would understand what I'm saying. So soon after I was, my mom and dad actually had a satellite TV because at their house, they wanted to still be connected to Iran and Iranian's channels and things like that. The only way that they could get it here in the U.S. was through satellite TV. So we were kind of flipping through the channels one day and I came across Dr. Shariat's Iran Alive Ministries program. And this was back in 2001. Literally, they had just started launching uh, their ministry. And Uh so for the first time when when I've heard Dr. Shariat articulating the gospel in ways that I could understand, my parents could understand, I was blown away and I wanted to connect with him. And so we reached out to him, we connected. And, you know, he knew that we, we were already Christians, but then his teachings really took it to the next level for us, helped us grow in our faith. His series of uh, God is love helped us grow in our walk faith tremendously and just keep on watching his teachings and all that was amazing. And just having allowed us to really have a tool to be able to 
show others to watch his programs so that they could also learn about the fundamentals of Christianity was an amazing tool for us. Mm-hmm. So later, his ministry moved from California to Dallas, Texas. And today, I have the pleasure to really serve right alongside with him to be able to really minister to to all Iranians to receive what I had received about Christ and what how life-changing it has been for me. Mm. I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago that I think is so important to all of us that are listening. And that's what you said about the friends didn't evangelize you. It was mm-hmm. the power of the word, just like you you quoted from Hebrews there. And yes. Paul tells us that it's the power of what God has laid out there. That's such a great testimony and something for us to hear, because I think so often we get caught up in what things should I go through? What path should I take? Exactly. Right. And and absolutely. here she read you those passages just out of John after you watched that movie. And it's like, boom, you're right. The Holy Spirit took it home and and changed your life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm guilty of this. We just make it so complicated. The word of God says, yes, um, (laughs) the word of God says, I mean, the power is in the gospel. Yes. The, uh, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. I mean, why are we not using just the word of God to evangelize? I, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I think really sometimes I downplay it and go, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a, no, it's more sharp <laughs> any sword we have on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. As a matter of fact, it's it's funny you mentioned this because we um, here at Iran Alive Ministries in March, when was actually the beginning of Persian New Year, yeah. we started this initiative of daily Bible reading challenge. And so Dr. Sherry had put together a daily plan for all of us to follow and for the audience to follow. And the the testimonies that we are receiving from this initiative, from the Bible reading plans is just mind blowing. We were just so mundane in our faith. And now the word of God is bringing life to us again. Wow. And it's, and it's Bruce, it's funny because it's the fundamental of Christianity. How are we forgetting to read the word of God on a daily basis when right. we know that that's the source of life for mm-hmm. us? You know, and just go through the day-to-day activities and we forget that that's the fundamentals. And it's not to be done as a ritual, but the word of God is powerful. It unfolds itself um, in, you know, in different ways every single time we read it in every situation that we are in. And it speaks to every single person differently. So you know that the Holy Spirit is behind the word of God. And so the power is there. I think that, and Dr. Sherry did a video on this. He said, the teachings are great. The, you know, going to seminary is awesome. Learning how to evangelize is great. But can I tell you, to make disciples, we need to get believers connected to the word of God. And that's where the power is. We Amen. need to become proficient with the word of God and declare it over our lives. Oh, and, man. <laughs> yeah. Get me psyched up here, Lily. <laughs> That's great. Oh, gosh. 
So yeah. true. And it's so easy, you know, but what you're expressing is kind of <laughs> like the living water flowing through the deserts of our lives, filling our cisterns up, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I wanted to ask you something before I forgot. This was just striking me as I was listening to you. Can you compare to me kind of the Islamic view of women, you know, because I know people have different thoughts about what you see on TV or whatnot of that view. Yeah. Uh, to what now it means to be a strong Christian woman. Yes. Is that possible? Absolutely. And Bruce, one of the things that gets me going every day is really to be able to minister to women in general, because I've lived an abusive life. I've lived a dark life. I was raised in Iran. I know how women in Iran are treated yes. as a possession. And the gender inequality in the workforce in Iran is just so severe. I mean, if they're hired, say, if you're a nurse and you get hired mm -hmm. at the same hospital, your wages are different than the wages of a man. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy. And so their witness at the court is counted as half of a man. I mean, they're just, wow. Iranian women are not allowed to attend sports stadium because they're huh. banned from that. It's just, unlawful for them to attend a stadium where oh, wow. men are playing sports. Okay. Uh, it's mind-blowing. And, and this is why there's so many limitations when it comes to marriage, divorce, and things like that. A woman cannot leave the country without the permission of her husband. And the whole hijab thing, they have no control over whether they choose to, you know, cover their hair or not because they live in an Islamic nation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <sighs> no surprise. All of these things that they experience, the oppression, the true severe oppression they're under, and most of women in Iran actually don't even know they're oppressed. I can tell oh. you from someone that came from, because they think that this is the way of life. Yeah. This is the way of life. Women are treated less than men. So that could be quite a barrier. How do you express being a strong Christian woman to somebody who maybe thinks that, whoa, look how out of bounds she is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you do that? Iranian women, they understand what it is like to live a life in liberty and freedom. Yeah. They do understand it because most of them are now very much connected through social media and all that. But then deep down inside, they all have that disposition that they're less than a man and uh -huh. they will always have to depend on men for financial means. There are very independent, strong women in Iran, but then they depend on the carnal things of this world. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the materials uh, being so materialistic. Like I have, I have this Louis Vuitton purse. I'm, I'm this independent person. I have this Gucci gotcha. shoes. They're, they're very materialistic. And so the sense of being a strong woman, like a woman of God who stands for God and yeah. who is living a life on purpose is very vague for them. But I can tell you that when they receive their identity from Christ, the mm -hmm. believers that we have in Iran that are working with us in underground churches, 
there truly are agents of transformation. And I love that. I borrowed this agents of transformation from Dr. Sherriad because they truly are. They get jazzed up. They get fired up when they realize that they are loved for themselves, for something other than sex in, in, in Iran. Sex trafficking. I mean, women are deemed as the people that are just there to provide sex for men. So They're that happens dead. just a lot, huh? That is huge. Sex trafficking. And I, I had a video that I created and it was about temporary marriages and how Iranian women because of lack of finances, because of financial struggles yeah. are really being sold in Iran and they don't even realize it because they have legalized it in Iran. Temporary marriage is very rampant and it is becoming more and more prevalent actually yeah. in Iran. And so what it is, is that it's a legal way to marry a woman for a predetermined period of time, whether that be one hour, two hours, one oh. day, two days, a oh, week, no. a month, whatever they decide on for a predetermined price and have sexual relations with that woman. And without any consequences or any obligations to that woman, they can, they can just depart and go their own separate ways. And, and they really that, have no say, right? I mean, no, no, no. It's by choice. Oh, women by have choice. A, okay. By choice. That's what I'm saying. They don't know that prostitution has become legalized in Iran because it has been so morally justifiable. Yeah. Yeah. They have justified because it's it's a legal loophole for prostitution. Oh boy. And it's becoming so rampant. And women are looked at as a sexual instrument in Iran. That's a better way of saying it. That it has become the way of life. To me, it's disgusting. This is why I'm so passionate to really share the gospel with Iranian women in general. I mean, Iranians in general, but then I feel like I'm called for Iranian women because yeah. I've walked that path, not so much the sex trafficking part of it, yeah. but it was in a way, when you think about it, arranged marriage, and it yeah. was in a way given to marriage. It wasn't so much by choice, but at the same time, it wasn't like a temporary marriage for a predetermined period of time. But still, I feel like this spirit of prostitution needs to be lifted from Iran. That's why there's so much darkness. That's why the rate of suicide among Iranian women in Iran is the highest in the world. If you look it up, it's the highest in the world because of so much oppression that they're under. Jeez, that's a horrible statistic. But I thank you for sharing it because it's so important for all of us to remember to pray for not just salvation, but also just relief of all this evil. Yes, oh. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is why we need to share Jesus. This yes. is why broadcasts of teachings and sharing the gospel is so important because Iran is a is a closed country. There's no other way a missionary can go to Iran and really share the gospel to six million viewers that we currently have of Iran Alive Ministries. Our network channel has about six million viewers based on a survey that we got. And yeah. so we're sharing the gospel in the privacy of their homes 
within the first six months of 2021, we have had 14,000, over 14,000 documented salvation. Now, when I say documented salvation, these are the people that risk their lives, reach out to us through social media and through emails and all of that. Not so much phones because they're, they're blocked, but they let us know that, you know, it was through someone that witnessed to us that is connected with an underground church in Iran or watching bro our broadcast, or they directly watched our broadcast mm -hmm. um, and they came to faith. And I'm pretty sure there's more out there that is not reaching out because, you know, it's, it's risky. I mean, they, they risk their lives if they reach out to us. Right. Oh man. Lily, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I, I just want to ask you one last question if I can. Of course. What is it that would be helpful for you for the people listening, the most helpful thing be prayer for a certain thing, or I know ministry support obviously is always good. So people, you can look up Iran Alive and uh, Dr. Shariot, you can give there. But anything particular that you know we can be praying for you or the ministry? Absolutely, Bruce. I'm I'm glad you asked. I do ask everyone to pray for the spirit of darkness and despair to be lifted off Iran, for really the blinders to fall off their eyes, and for us to be more effective, the ministry to be more effective, and our broadcast to be more effective. Today, we have 24-7 programs that we're reaching Iranians, even children, younger generations, and things like that. But we do yeah. need to add more varieties. You and I were talking about before the show, you know, we need to add movies of you know, that have the Christian soft evangelism uh, mm -hmm. weaved into it and things like that. So we need to partner with people that do have Christian contents to be able to really dub, subtitle them and be able to broadcast them to Iran. The other thing you mentioned, if any of your listeners are interested to be connected with the ministry to mm -hmm. get updates, testimonies, things like that, one way to get connected with us is to text Iran, I-R-A-N, to the number 50700. We send like once a month, we send testimonies and updates about the ministry and things like that. But yeah, I mean, we all need to join together in prayers to really, for Iran to be set free of the darkness that they're in right now. Mm, boy, that's okay. Good prayer. Thank you very much for that. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for being so open and willing to share your testimony with us. And I uh, want to catch you when we're finished here, but uh, thank you for being on the show with us, Lily, and uh, God bless you for all that you're doing. Thank you, Bruce. It was such a pleasure to speaking with you. Thank you for being so personable and making it easy on me. Oh, no problem. It was such an honor to be on your show. Okay. Well, thanks. Thank you.